0: Shall we do the music? Let's do it. What are we talking about this week, Sam?
1: Sir, so, this week, I thought we'd do a sort of... I don't know, like a plan B to the first episode. A plan B? You mean a part two? (laughs) A a part B, sorry, yeah. A part B, not a plan B. That was an awful rapper from like 2008.
0: (laughs) He wasn't awful. He was pretty bad. No. No, He wasn't a rapper anyway. Plan B was the guy that did, um, it was more of like a swinger. Swing, not a swinger. (laughs) It was like a swing
1: band. No, he did like a bit of rapping.
0: Yeah, but it was like swing music-ish. I don't know. Modern swing music. So, part two to episode one. Yeah, so one.
1: basically what we're doing is going to try and... Because we spoke a little bit about research in the first one, but we didn't really sort of explain how we get the information or...
0: Yeah, we had a very broad interpret- conversation yeah, It was more of just sort research. of
1: like, don't listen to any bullshit on the internet and it ranted <laughs> yeah. for an hour. So. It
0: was just, do you research? Yeah. Do you research? Who's why I should you do, yeah, yeah. do you research? Do you research? Goodbye. So <laughs> this
1: week we're going to go a bit more in depth into how we actually do research and why it's important to do it this way so we're not biased in any way.
0: Yeah, within yeah. chemistry and biochemistry at least anyway. Well yeah, I mean, like
1: I mean the scientific method goes through yeah. all science, but the we are obviously principles. biochemists and chemists, so we may have a little sort of favorability towards certain areas, but yeah. um this scientific method as a general principle can work in almost any situation in science. Mm. So Yeah. Um so with most methods there are normally the six or seven key steps that you should really look at first and we're going to go through those step by step Mm. and then amy being the wonderful woman that she is going to go through in detail some of the more sort of you say this
0: you say this but this was your idea well
1: yeah it's like i'm going to sort of give the general principles and then (laughs) in your (laughs) in your world of wisdom of doing your phd and we're not going to call it world
0: of wisdom these are your words not mine this is just (laughs) things that i've learned or skills that i've used and that most chemists will learn to use. You can answer some of these questions too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah, I'll, be, I'll give my opinion. It's not just going to be you talking for an hour.
0: <laughs> um, But yeah, I'll probably give more of like a... I think, to be fair, we're probably both going to talk about the things that we've used ourselves anyway. Yeah, so yeah. like, obviously, because that's the main perspective that we can give. Like, I'm not going to start talking about something that a physical chemist would do because I don't have... <laughs> the that index knowledge <laughs> you like... haven't
1: done it in like four or five years so yeah like, exactly
0: yeah. like I can tell you how to like I don't know and do like specific heat capacity but I don't <laughs> think anyone really cares well actually no I might I might <laughs> get told off it you're that. gonna get really out for that mm. um, people do care yeah. and it is important but it's not something that I know a great deal about yeah as in like phys chem side of things so for a little bit of context then yeah I'm going to say this, and then I'm just going to backtrack on everything. <laughs> Instantly <just> backpedal. <laughs> Basically, so for my PhD, it was mainly organic chemistry. yeah. And then I did some inorganic, but it was mainly like organic modifications to inorganic molecules.
1: Yeah. And mine's not too dissimilar. Mine's more towards a biology side. Like my research I've done recently is more towards organic chemistry with a little bit of a biological influence. Yeah. So
0: With mine as well, I had... Um, like, organic nanoparticles, which yeah. draws on PhysChem a little bit, but in its very bare sense. You said that with
1: genuine disgust, then. Just so like, no, yeah. no, no,
0: no, no. It's not disgust. It's like, <laughs> it's more a case of, um, it's not my strongest point. No. It's very interesting. Mm. And, like, I really, I did, like, quite <laughs> that's, like that's, a lot of the data. Like yeah, I'm literally like, no. like, please don't attack me, physical chemists. <laughs> um... But, yeah, anyway, let's just. Uh, so, yeah, on.
1: like we'll start with the very first thing you should probably look at is formulating the right question to ask in the first place. If you're coming up with a project and you have an idea on something, yeah. the first thing you want to do is ask the question that is the most relevant to what you're trying to ask. Yeah. So,
0: you've got to have a target, you've got to have yeah. a, a goal for doing the thing that you're
1: doing. So, like, what are the main things you try to think of when you're asking like like say you're coming up or developing a project what's like the first thing you think of in like asking the right question?
0: So when you're thinking of developing a new projects, so like so I've written projects for master's students but yeah. it's always off the back of like something that I'm working on anyway yeah. um, so for me and I'll have like ideas of things that I would like to try um, and whether I'm doing it myself or working with somebody else, somebody else. It doesn't really tend to be a case of, like, I'll sit and think about, like, the specific question yeah. initially. It'll be more a case of, like, out of interest, and it'll be, I'll be working on something currently, and then I'll have an idea of, has anybody done X and Y before? Like, have has anybody put these two things together? Yeah. Or, what happens when you do this? Or... You know, what new drug delivery agent can I use for the drug that I'm working on? And it, it tends to be things related to what I'm already working on. And I think the more research you do into your own project, so, like, if you're working on a project at the moment anyway, yeah. the more work you do on that, the further you can go and the more questions you ask, and then it kind of snowballs and it builds its own little thing. But if we're talking about um, if you wanted to... Do like a new side project or something like that. Or even just like extra things to what you're currently doing. You're probably already a little bit in knowledge with the research of it. Yeah. And then there's like...
1: Like for me, the first thing I sort of think of is can I make it as less vague as possible? Yeah. I need to make it as... Simple. Simple and try and word it to the point of where there's almost no variables in it. Mm. where it's like there's only one way i can go about this so like um in terms of like say if i'm asking a question about i don't know say if we're doing an organic chemistry one Mm. and i want to do something with proteins like i need to know that the method towards where i'm going has already been done so i need to ask the question in the right way that i know that there's already research in a similar area and then the only thing that's changing is the protein thing i'm doing okay so like try and get rid of any sort of Variables in the backlog that may cause issues with designing the project in the first place. So, like, just make it as linear as possible. You do this, you do this, you get this. The end.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, I I would say that as having like a clear a goal, like or a clear path that you're going to walk down. And I think simplicity is a really important thing because if you are making like, say, for example, you I mean I know we've talked about this quite a lot, obviously in episode one, anyway, because we are both chemists with biological interest but if you're making like a new drug for example there's not really much point in making something that has 20 steps and you get a tiny amount out afterwards yeah and I say that quite ironically because that is sometimes what I did (laughs) but like if you actually want it to be something that Ah. is useful like in a business for example so like
1: industrial scale yeah, yeah in
0: an industry or that sort of context Simplicity is key because you want something that's quick, cheap, and easy, yeah. and, comes and out anybody can do it. it yeah. yeah. Um, but if we if we are talking about purely like academic research, then obviously it's more finding more knowledge on things yeah. and like how they work. So I guess it depends what your research project is. So how you were saying you will look for people who have done similar things before, and then you might modify a protein, for yeah. example, and then you'll see how it's done with that protein. It depends what your research interest is because obviously you could have using a different protein or you could have, like, what specifically changes when I change the process. Yeah. So, like, you could have the same product as the end goal but you could modify steps in between. You could shorten reaction steps and make it a lot more efficient. Yeah. Or you could have other things as well that are like, I don't know, more like in processes. So or... it like depends
1: on what side of the science you're coming from. So like if yeah. you were like going, say if you're more of a uh, a biologist and you do things using like Western plots and stuff like that, yeah. and doing it all that way rather than being a chemist and doing it through the sort of just bung everything into one pot and hope it does the thing <laughs> kind of way which is all organic chemistry is it? <laughs> yeah. it is just bucket chemistry like there is no it's not all limiting bucket factor chemistry. because you just put more of that in you <laughs> am
0: gonna upset me Sam. it's not all bucket chemistry it
1: is like have it's i got not. a white powder at the end cool organic chemistry you're <laughs>
0: making porphyrins yeah. no white powder <laughs> if you've got white porphyrin that's bad <laughs> just salt probably at that <laughs> point or silica still counts um,
1: <laughs> so like you're looking so you want to be looking at simplicity and also what the end goal is as well yeah so you want to be looking at like a few a different things that you
0: want a clear path I think with projects if you are starting a new project the best thing is to have a clear mindset or goal yeah. on what you're actually doing and it's whether like you might not know the outcome to be fair because if it's something that's more process-based it
1: might actually be bigger than you in, initially anticipated so then yeah. it become actually a smaller project than you was initially expecting so like say if like again what as you were saying like if or like we were both talking about say if it's like a protein method but then the bit beforehand mm. doesn't work then you've got an entire different project
0: yeah
1: so you need to then work on that smaller chunk
0: yeah so
1: one big idea could initially come into like several smaller ideas just yeah, because definitely. you need to get it more linear than it was yeah like get rid of all this sort of ambiguity of it all
0: yeah i think something that I probably should have mentioned more to all to start is like coming up with those ideas yeah. it's a lot of like creative thought at the end of the day as well oh, yeah, like, you have
1: to like have some genuine sort of inspiration
0: yeah and bit. i tended to find that especially as a PhD student, because day in, day out, you kind of feel like you're just like on a little hamster wheel. And (laughs) all you can focus (laughs) on is the task that you're doing right now. And you do get very like, it's Groundhog Day sometimes, like you literally can be doing the same thing every day for a week straight. And then the next week you might be doing something completely different.
1: Like, but then like you might go to a conference and something might happen. And you go, oh, yeah, I can actually do something. <laughs> yeah,
0: well that's that's why I loved going to conferences so much because I didn't go for like the first year of my PhD and I really felt like I missed out on a lot. And when I had the opportunity to go to conferences, it was then when I had a lot more. Like it really like reinvigorates like the passion for research and that sounds might sound quite cheesy. But it really used to get me a lot more like excited about the chemistry that I was doing because then it would make me think, oh, well, this person's done this with the like these compounds and like, oh, this person's managed to make this, which is like completely new. Or like this person is doing this incredible chemistry yeah. that I would love to be able to do. How can I be a bit more like that? How can I take that into my own research? And it's like, that then gives you a lot of creative ideas for projects and stuff, but yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, so after you've finally broken down your key question you feel like you have it to a very sort of linear good
0: idea question. of what you're Just doing it's like a
1: genuine sort of like right okay there's only like a few things that could possibly go wrong here like this is as small as i can get it before it becomes vague again yeah okay um next step is normally research into the project Yes. Yeah. find out who's done what already yeah
0: what's been done before yeah. who's currently working on it is it recent literature as well like is it people in recent years that are working on things is it something that's been quite quiet for quite a while
1: yeah is there a reason why it's been gone quiet like like is my idea generally just like catching up with someone that's already done it and it's crap yeah
0: (laughs) is it because someone's done it before tried it realized it didn't work (laughs) that's why no one talks about
1: it it happens a lot because there are a lot of copycats out there that will happily go oh well mine worked and you'd be like, no, I don't believe you.
0: I don't know if I'd say no, I don't believe you. I think it's more of like a... Because, like with the stuff I am I was doing in my PhD, I kind of got to that point where I was like, is it literally just that someone's done this before and has realised it doesn't work? That's why none of my stuff's working. Like, that was the mindset because yeah, that's I got one into. big
1: problem in research. It's like, no one... People don't
0: talk about what well, didn't yeah, work. Yeah, people
1: don't publish negative work. Yeah. Which is well, there are start of a few journals now. Well I've like uh, the journal in I think it's called negative biomedicine or something like that, where yeah. it's, uh, people will put their negative results up just to yeah. confirm stuff. But there's yeah, no but there's no like there's no there's no money in it. So no. there's no point.
0: And so. I feel like I don't know if there's no money in it. I mean the journals, well, you, you have to pay to publish yeah. for one, which was something I really didn't think about before I started my PhD, which yeah. is a bit of a random one because you kind of think like, oh, I've done this work and I'm going to publish it. And then you come to like see, oh, it costs £400 to publish one article in this mm. journal and it's four pages long and that's all you're getting. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was like the smallest
1: impact factor, yeah. I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's that's the thing I didn't factor in. But anyway, um. What were we originally talking about just now? Oh yeah, negative results. Yeah. So I feel like in biology, I think I think it probably happens more in biology because it's still a result worth mentioning. Yeah. Because obviously, it's a lot more like I think it's a, a lot more impactful. Whereas with chemistry, I don't think it's as talked about as much.
1: Yeah. And I think that's just because of how linear chemistry is compared yeah. to biology. Like chemistry it even works is just, or it Yeah, like you have two things. You have two like reagents. They just work as they've, they've always worked. Yeah. There's no real differences that you can get with that. Whereas with biology, when you're working with cells, it depends on what cell line, line yeah. you get and stuff like that. And if that doesn't work, it could be a plethora of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think with chemistry, getting negative results is just because you've done bad chemistry rather than necessarily there's something wrong with... I wouldn't
0: say bad chemistry. Or
1: You've just done like, chemistry that you initially thought was something and it came out something else. And it's just because you didn't... Bringing a certain factor that was a variable that you initially didn't think of.
0: Maybe, but then also like things can work on paper and just not work in reality. Like they can just not work in practice. Like I've had this conversation with my supervisor where I've just like, especially in the first year of my PhD, I felt like I was just, I felt like I was actually going insane because I was trying, <laughs> trying to
1: do <laughs> nothing works. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was trying to do the same thing over and over again with different methods, but just very very minimal outcomes. Yeah. And I kind of went to my supervisor and I was just like, am I just doing all of this wrong? Like, am I just really <laughs> yeah. not very good at this?
1: Which supervisor and was this? Is this one, two or three?
0: Don't be like that. Uh, <laughs> it makes me sound
1: so shit. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's um, like you had a very unorthodox PhD, didn't you? Like, is
0: Yeah, so to, to explain that, because yeah. I feel like that does need explanation. It wasn't just jumping from supervisor yeah. to supervisor. The first one got another job elsewhere which yeah. was good for him because he got a associate professor
1: yeah he actually came up pretty well in that service.
0: yeah and it was where he wanted to be as well like yeah. he didn't really want to be in the city that we we're in or the country that we we're in yeah. for that matter and was
1: there, was there a reason that he didn't take you with him or is it just a it's case a, of like, it's he, funding he, yeah he couldn't actually
0: yeah so yeah. because we got funding from the university funding's tied to the university
1: okay so you were stuck here so, yeah uh, fair enough
0: um but yeah, so, and also, I
1: couldn't afford to move. So,
0: okay. <laughs> especially to where we moved to, it's a very expensive. Yeah. Place. Which,
1: yeah, again, people don't normally talk about in the sort of uh, PhD, like a post grad life, yeah. is that sometimes you just have to stop doing something because of outsourced, like, outside reasons. They yeah, and people I... leave, money stops. There's like yeah. a thing where, like, you're not guaranteed a PhD when you sign up for it. It's no. just sometimes things happen and, it's tough shit <laughs>
0: yeah well that's the thing that's one of the major things because obviously so for background I've finished all my experimental work and I'm writing up and I will have my Viva in probably a couple of months ah yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's not bring it up crying inside um, to be honest I'm actually I'm okay with it now yeah. I think I'm past the stress of it I've got to a point where I'm just like Fever I just want to do it <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to do it get it done anyway um, but my, one of my worries is always that I'll get ax- asked the question of like, oh, why didn't you do this? And the reality is sometimes...
1: I just didn't think of it.
0: No, it's oh. it's not even that. It's more like we don't, we didn't have the means to do it. Oh, okay. And I know that sounds like a really shit excuse, but like, and I think a lot of people will probably say that's no excuse. You should be able to do everything yourself, yeah. but you you can't like... I'm not a machine. No, <laughs> like,
1: no. like, and sometimes you just don't have certain ways. Uh, like, if well, you, we don't have certain equipment. Time and like, like it's only three yeah. years. Like, if someone wants you to do something that's like a genuinely like developed idea, yeah, it might take like 10, 15 years for yeah. that to come to fruition. It's that like, is,
0: that's a big thing as well. It's like my one of my supervisors used to say, you know, in the UK, three years it's a very, very short time for a PhD. Yeah. theirs were five years because they, they did theirs in America. Yeah. so it's like that is such a limiting amount of time. To be fair, actually, I think all three of my supervisors said that to me. It's such a short amount of time and you need to make sure you're as efficient as possible in that time. But time is against you. And like, it is that thing of...
1: They wonder why students do 60 hours a week. Yeah. Because, yeah. 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 (laughs) If I don't, like, then, like, I'll have to do it for free.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And, and, like, not to go on, like, the woe is me train... But um, I was also self-funded. <laughs> yeah, get your t- tiny violin out. I was also self-funded, so I had to find some time to also make money to live. Yeah. Like, so it's all well and good saying you had time to do everything, but you yeah. don't. And it's also things that, like, when things go wrong, you don't automatically factor okay, this is going to go wrong and set me, set me back by like yeah. a month.
1: And yeah, and then suddenly, you don't just suddenly know how to fix it as well. Yeah. Sometimes you have to test things yeah. to make sure like, you how you fix it. it yeah.
0: But that is one of my major worries in my viva that I'll be asked, why didn't you do cell work on this? Yeah. And I'll be like... Didn't well, have the time nor resources nor money an left. <laughs> like, it's
1: a, I was talking to a couple of supervisors, so people who have already sat in a, and done a lot of Vibers already. Mm. And they say, as long as you give a legitimate answer that isn't trying to BS you around the subject, yeah, they will take that as an answer. Yeah. Like, good or bad, like saying you didn't have enough time is an answer. It's not like saying, like, they can't go, oh, well, you, you should have had more time. Because mm. that's, they weren't there. They don't know their source. Mm. But if you say, like, I generally, like, I got as much information as I could out. I was doing seventy-two hours a week. Yeah, they will they will happily take that. It's not like they're gonna go right scribble scribble. You failed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my only worry as well though is like, yeah, it's just questions like that where it's kind of it relies on someone other than yourself as well. Because like I didn't do the cell work on Mm. mine, and someone actually asked me. Why didn't you do the cell work yourself? And I said, I've never done cell work. I don't know how to do it. And I've not got the time to learn it currently. I have two months left of my PhD. And they were like, Oh, no, you you can do that. You should be doing it yourself anyway. Okay. "Okay, (laughs) okay. Um, Who's going to teach me how to do this? Where am I going to get the materials from to do it? Where am I going to get the time? Who's Who's going (laughs) to pay for my living for the next, like, two months? No, thank you, no, sir. Cannot be done. (laughs) Like, I'm not a biologist. I'm not, I'm really not, like, I know what my goal is for my compounds to do, yes. but I'm not an expert in the field. Like, my my talents are in synthesis. Yeah. Fair enough. But anyway, right.
1: that's my little mini rant, <laughs> rant over. over now. <laughs> right. So we've gone past research now. So um, now we've gone past, we've basically come up with the key questions. Mm-hmm. We've gone through the research. It seems like a genuine viable thing that you've come up with. No one's done it before. Seems like something that you could do. Hmm uh it's now onto the stage of hypothesizing what will actually happen
0: yeah so this is where your like plan comes into play doesn't it like so you you've got your question you figured out the research around it and what's been done before xyz um so the hypothesis part is obviously you're looking at a certain something that you want to do and like do and achieve so whether that's synthesising a compound yeah. or seeing what it's useful for. Yeah. So you have a plan for every stage of that, don't you? So you'd have your plan of like, okay, what am I starting from? What am I making? Yeah. How am I going to test it? And then what does that data actually mean? What, what am I going to test? What tests am I going to use? Yeah. And then why is that like...
1: And then there's even, like, subversions of that as well as, like, how much is it going to cost? Yeah. Do I have the equipment to do it? Yeah. <laughs> and like, what kind of is equipment am I to Is this actually realistic? <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. um, although you might have the right question, you don't have the where you don't you haven't thoroughly thought of how you're going to test that. Yeah. So, like, you need to sort of come up with, okay, do I need to do lots of, know, certain analyses, like, mm. are going to be really expensive? Do um, I know how yeah. to do it? Can I find have I got all the solvents I need <laughs> to do this?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, like, a big thing for me when I started looking at, like, nanoparticles and stuff. It was something that I'd never really touched on before. And as I have said multiple times, I'm not a physical chemist. So I didn't really know a lot of the methods for testing. Like, I'd never even heard of some of them before. And I went to my supervisor and was like, okay, so I think I need to do this this and this so I need to make this compound and then I know that I need to test it by this and this and I know how to do that but I've heard of this thing um I'm still trying to figure out what it is do you know anyone that knows how to use it and they can explain it to me and he was just like how do you not know what that is that's like a basic chemistry thing and I was like I didn't do physical chemistry for two (laughs) years literally just did some like random pharmacology shite for like (laughs) the final (laughs) year of my degree (laughs)
1: like um, this is when a supervisor really comes into play, When you, especially when you're doing like a, a PhD and stuff like that. It's like that previous yeah. knowledge of like, oh, well, I've actually seen this before.
0: Well, it depends on your supervisor.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's some of them are a bit more sort of, uh, you, you're a PhD student now, you're in unforbidden teri- territory. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing now, so.
0: Well, no, it was more like um, my first supervisor, he was a brilliant chemist, and yeah. I have a lot of respect for him, but he was very just like clean cut, like... He would never, he wouldn't really be very, like, guiding. Okay. If he asked me a question yeah. and I didn't know the answer, he would just say, go away, figure it out. And that's fine, that's good, because it teaches you to be very independent and very resourceful. Yeah. However, it also meant that I was just sat there like, hooky, <laughs> <laughs> don't have the first clue on where to start. And sometimes he'd recommend a paper, but he'd go like, oh, it's by blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, do not really know the name that you just said. Like that all those words that you just said just bled into one. Um, don't know how to spell it, don't know how to find it, don't know what it's published in, don't know a title of this. Please give me some kind of guidance. Just
1: anything. And just for God's sake. And
0: when I would go back and ask, he'd be like, You can figure that out. And I'd be like, No, I can't. I don't know what I'm looking for. <laughs> give me a clue. But anyway. Um you've always gotta like ask around for people that have done yeah the thing that you're trying to do because or like just in techniques because that's the most helpful part is when someone like takes the time to show you how to use something and show you what it actually means it's like that's everything you needed and it, it's very very helpful um, yeah so like when, you, when you're <laughs> uh,
1: hypothesising something you're hypo- hypothesising literally everything about the project the way
0: that I tend to work best is if I have more to do I will do more so I'll take on more side projects but it'll put a bit more pressure on me and it'll force me to get things done a bit quicker. All
1: right. So you, which
0: is a very yeah. chaotic way. I'm very aware of this. It's so, a chaotic way to work, but I like it that way.
1: But you like working in parallel. You like yeah. having lots of things yeah, to do at yeah, once. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I'm very much in series where like I do one project, I do it very well. Yeah. Like, it, But then as soon as that project's done, it's the next project.
0: Yeah, see, I can't do that. I really don't like that. <laughs> it doesn't work for me at all. I try doing things that way and then I get really fed up of doing the one thing and I'm like... I need to be doing some other things because the thing that I found is I used to work very much in series. Yeah. And again, in my first year when nothing worked, I found that when I was like focusing on something for quite a while and it, I got nothing back from it, yeah. it, really, it got really frustrating really quick. And then that's when I started doing a lot of things very much in parallel because if something's not going well, at least you've got something else that you can
1: doing that jump same time. to
0: yeah, yeah. yeah and i think i think a lot of researchers do tend to do that anyway yeah i think it's good practice because like i said if you do four weeks of t- synthesis and then mm. your final product at the end is not actually
1: And don't get me wrong i think working in parallel is the best way to do it mm. because you will go spare if you just do everything yeah day by day the same thing every day if you're counting
0: on one thing to work yeah. and it doesn't work it's yeah it's not good and it's like
1: <laughs> obviously it's not my favorite way of working but i can work like that but it's just a, it's one of those things that you have to learn. You can't just suddenly be good at spinning players. Oh, yeah, 100%. You definitely have to be like, yeah, you have to learn to manage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but that's, that's just why I don't like Gantt charts, is because, yes, you can plan. Obviously, like, I'm not saying that yeah. you can't have like a Gantt chart where you've got three projects running parallel. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But I just found them really frustrating when I'd have like a four week goal to get somewhere and I didn't get there. Yeah. So I very much like to. I like to have my long term goals. Yeah. So.
1: As long as you have like a, a an estimate. of yeah. Where you think you should be.
0: Yeah. And stick to that because obviously, yeah. if you go over a deadline for yourself, you just yeah. you over time sort of thing. That's how you run out yeah. of time with it. That's didn't. where I feel
1: <laughs> too loose. Like if I feel like oh I've got six months for this, I'm gonna chill.
0: Yeah. Then
1: I, like I need the pressure to say right I've got four weeks to do this. There is no sort of like this is the deadline. There mm. is no after the deadline.
0: Yeah, but I'm, I'm like that yeah. as well. So, like, I'll think long-term in terms of what I want to get actually done. So, like, for a PhD, you have, in the UK at least, you have the, the three years. Yeah. And you have a goal for those three years. And I would kind of, like, try to break them down into the projects and then each year within that project. But then, I mean, I say this, I'm no expert in how to plan a PhD because I don't think anybody is. Everybody's is very different as well. So, like my PhD if we were doing a PhD at the same time mine is going to be very different to yours Yeah. and you can't like compare your misery to anybody else's <laughs> no. it's very subjective but I mean,
1: you can't, like in terms of like um, labour and like just sort of hours worked and stuff like that and just general sort of the general PhD life mm. I think everyone's in the same but like no one has the perfect 42 hours a week sailing through PhD it is a unicorn um
0: yeah no, i've like known people the, that have
1: yeah and it is like genuinely impressive if that you can do that fair play to happy but
0: but i mean again it depends on your project because like for something that's synthesis based yeah. like <laughs> not to call out here <laughs> but like i've known physics students yeah. that can go in once a week and spend the rest of the week just like writing up or whatever or for example just like A non science PhD will be wildly different because obviously you don't have that like set like time to make something. Say if you're doing like a music PhD, obviously you have to like I'm not saying it's easy in any way, shape or form, but it's a lot of you would do it just probably by self, I'm guessing for a lot of it. I mean, I'm, actually no. No, one of my friends Strike is
1: a, yeah. One of my friends is a master student and he's he's a project at the moment. is just creating an, a a creative piece in yeah. a they get they get given a an area of where to create a piece. So they'll be saying like a library or they'll be saying like a mm. a football stadium. Like a and the, yeah, and they'll say okay, I want you to create a, a forty minute piece.
0: I think you've told me about this before.
1: Yeah, and um. So one of my friends came up with a, a saxophone piece for a um a football stadium.
0: Yeah.
1: And it sounds incredible. Yeah. But the amount of work that goes into it, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is something else. Yeah.
0: But even like to go back to what I was yeah. originally trying to say, like even within chemistry, I don't think you can compare two people plus PhDs because like some people may have very little lab time. Yeah. And it might be that the majority of their work focuses on, like, the theory behind it. So, like, for example, computational students will tend to do, like, they'll set up all the computational experiments for, like, overnight, set it up on, like, 20 computers. I knew a master's student that did this. Didn't know him personally, but I knew this was what he did. But he basically went to the library in the middle of the night when nobody was there, set up all of the computers on that floor to run an experiment, and then just, like, pissed about for however many hours because... Isn't that what just work. like
1: what you'd be doing in a lab though? Like you say, like because yours is yours was a lot of columning, parfins. So you just be instead of a computer, it's a column. And then you just yeah,
0: but it's a lot more like active work, isn't it? Like you yeah. set up a computer to do what you want it to. Do. I'm not saying that the planning behind it is yeah. like five minutes. I know that it takes a lot of time, but like the actual to get your data out yeah. is is quite like you don't need to be there. To stop working anything. Yeah. It. Like once it's stopped, it's just stopped. Yeah. Once do it's done, yeah. you. <laughs> get the results and you interpret them. And then obviously that might be the harder part as well. But like that person might be able to not come in through the day, do their work on a night for a few hours and then look at the results the day after or whatever. Yeah. So that's very different to being in a lab synthesising something every day for the week because, yeah. and I'm not saying it's harder, I'm obviously not. Like they both require a lot of brain power. Yeah. but one's just more like, Practical, making something with your hands. Yeah. Ones more theory based.
1: Okay. Well, this actually goes on to the sort of next area, which is experimentation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, in terms of an experiment, do you think there's a such thing as a perfect experiment? Mm. Like, can you be so good that you can plan it to the point of are like, ah, oh, right, I don't actually need to do anything because nothing's going to change. It's going to be oh, beautiful. <laughs>
0: It depends on what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends what you mean by experiment as well.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, like you've you've come up with a project, you've come up with the idea, you've done everything. Is there such thing as of where you've counteracted every variable that exists for that project? I don't think so. No.
0: Because thing like accidents can just happen. Yeah. Like, because I was gonna say so. I know some people that were working on moths, which are metal organic frameworks, yeah. and how you make them is basically you'll have a metal centre, you'll have your organic ligand, you can basically put them in some solvent together, shake it, put it in the oven overnight, and you've grown your moth crystals. It's just it's what we call shake and bake chemistry, yeah. <laughs> or shake and or bake organic chemistry. <laughs> no, that's shake and bake synthesis. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's a joke, but it's not. Yeah. Um... But yeah so like you can do something like that whereby there's very little that's likely to go wrong either you've got a contaminant in there or the oven turned off overnight so nothing grew or things that you just they're sort of out of your control yeah. can happen whereas you know with, like... And even with, like, if you're doing biology, sometimes your cells just get contaminated and then fuck that, yeah. you know? sometimes like,
1: things just die for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you can try and sort of analyse how what happened, but most of the time it's just because they were shits shit, like, cell lines to begin yeah. with. and Yeah. Or, the, <laughs> or it's
0: like if you've got, like, an old cell line that you've had for, like, years and years and years yeah. and you've passaged it however many times, so then you've got, like... I don't know what like the like twelfth generation of that cell line, and then that's not. No, it's
1: just an amorphous blob. Yeah, sort of (laughs) no
0: distinct characteristic about it whatsoever. Um, but you can have things like that, or you can have like the type of chemistry that I was doing, like I was saying earlier. You can plan something, and in theory, all the chemistry should work. All the organic chemistry, all the thought process behind it, what you're doing should work. Does it? No.
1: So, no. like, do you already have something in mind for counteracting these problems already? Or do you just sort of, like, see it as it comes?
0: So, okay, so I would say the biggest thing with science is you're not, I mean, you're, you're obviously learning specific techniques yeah. and you're obviously learning a specific field, but at the end of the day, what you're doing is problem solving.
1: Yeah.
0: That's... In the shortest way you can say it, that's what you're doing. And, yeah, so if things go wrong, it forces you to find a way for it to go right.
1: So is it more sort of, like, hope for the best, but plan for the worst? Yeah. Sort of, just make sure that, as much, like, even the best laid plans of Meister Men go to go awry. so there's nothing. But, uh, so, yeah, like, you can plan as much as you like, but sometimes just shit happens, so... Uh, that's like the, that's the more urban way of saying it shit happens yeah.
0: deal with it yeah yeah so
1: like um, are you more plan for the worst or are you more hope for the best which like do you what you do you think the answer to that
0: is <laughs> you've known me for a good while now what do you uh, think I'd say you're
1: is? more of a hope for the best kind of person. yeah i am yeah <laughs> like, i don't see why every scientist in the world isn't like a plan for the worst fuck whatever happens what like if, if, if it works first time i just be like, thank God, but I was not expecting that.
0: What would you say you are? Hopefully, I am, I'm definitely
1: a plan for the worst. Yeah. Like, I'm 100%. This is definitely not going to work, so I'm going to plan every sort of fork <laughs> in the road that there is. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, well, still plan for the forks in the road, yeah. but, like... I don't know, I'm just an optimistic person. Yeah. You're more of a pessimistic person. I'm not, no, I'm a realist,
1: I'm not a pessimist. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be like... What every pessimist says. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, well, this, like, why even start the project and then just not do it?
0: Oh, no, I fully know that. I, yeah. I just mean, like, it's just different personalities, isn't it, yeah. really? Like, I... Yes, I hope for the best because, obviously, I've planned something. I want it to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the ideal situation. Does it? No. But... Yeah. I've like I am realistic in setting goals now, which I think at the very start of my PhD I probably wasn't, and I was just like, I'm going to be able to throw these things together, and it's going to be sick, and it's going to work real well in like these cell lines and stuff, and I'm going to like pump out some amazing compounds.
1: It's going to work first time. It's going to nail it. And it didn't. <laughs> and I'm going to get an M plus three, and it's going to be fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everything's going to be sick.
1: Yeah. Um, but no, that didn't happen. Yeah, so you just have to sort of be ready for whatever it throws at you because it's gonna throw some stuff. Yeah, at you.
0: I mean that's the biggest ch- challenge of research, in my opinion, is like the resilience that you learn. Yeah, is just you know that you have to keep going, and I think it you do kind of get to a point in certain things where if it's really just not working, don't like yeah. waste all of your time on it because then it's if it still doesn't work after like two years. Just move on something else, yes. which is what I did Like in my first year when nothing worked. I moved on something else. And then that's probably where I learned that I like like working in parallel yeah. because my first supervisor was very much, no, focus on the one project and get that done yeah. and then we'll move on something else. But I didn't want to do that. I had a lot of ideas that I wanted to try. And then when I did start trying other ideas, all of my research then worked a little bit better and I learned a lot more ways to overcome the problems that I had the first time.
1: And I think the resilience thing is probably one of the biggest things. Yeah. Because if you're going to go into research, you have to be okay with being wrong. Yeah, because yeah. you are wrong 99.9% of the time, and then you're right all yeah. of a sudden. And then it works. But that's the whole point of science. Is like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And then you're right.
0: I wouldn't say wrong and right. I would just say, like...
1: Or, like, you've, you've it doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. And then eventually it works. but yeah. you then didn't just you don't just then keep working on something that's already worked. Yeah. You then move on to the next project yeah. and it's going to be wrong again. <laughs> yeah. or it's it's not going to work again. But it was-
0: it's that it's it's the figuring out part. Yeah. Which if you if you enjoy problem solving, yeah. then it's a good thing to do. Like it's I think it makes it a lot more like if you enjoy the challenge, yeah. it's a lot more fulfilling whereas if you just want things to work,
1: no. <laughs> no it's not
0: gonna like if you if you're looking for something where you want to be able to put a and be together and get out c and it's foolproof <laughs> it's that's not gonna, a gonna happen world, yeah. in like a, at least in a synthetic phd anyway yeah but um i think that's quite a good point to raise is that you you've got to kind of prepare for things to not work and yeah. Oh, well, you and just have you've... to
1: be okay with things not working, well, because it's not necessarily your fault. It's yeah, just, that's the whole point of 100%. research. It's just...
0: And you've got to have that perspective of, if it was easy, someone probably would have done it before. Yeah, And also, if things don't work, I think a lot of the time, and this is something that I really struggled with with my PhD, was a lot of the failures that you have, you you really take them as personal fail- failures, yeah. because you've designed that You've planned it to go a certain way and it didn't. Yeah. And then that's like when I said, you know, I went to my supervisor and was just like, is it me? <laughs> but it's not. It's just sometimes, the theory can yeah, be yeah. right and the pr- practicalities can't. sometimes aren't. But I've had three supervisors, well, two, two out of the three supervisors reassured me on that. Yeah.
1: But this so, is why research yeah. takes so long, is because yeah. you like, when it's, yeah, like when we're going back to like when we're saying on uh, and like online news articles that say like, studies are found and like it's taken like 15 years for people to find this out it's because before then there was no information yeah. <laughs> it took those 15 years to find out everything there is to know about yeah. that thing like it's it's a long ass process yeah.
0: like and it's kind of what we said uh, in the first episode of what, as well as yeah. like that that gets reported on the news is not just an overnight success yeah. like it is years and years that in is the someone's breaking. career if yeah. not
1: multiple careers
0: yeah anyway.
1: But anyway, like uh, so after that,
0: so there's no uh, perfect experiment. No, there's no perfect experiment.
1: <laughs> but that leads on to yeah the next bit, which is sort of the actual experimentation of the project. Um, obviously there are a lot of ways to boil an egg. <laughs> a lot of
0: ways to boil an egg, are there?
1: <laughs> um, I can only really think of a couple. But this <laughs> <laughs> <What> but <and laughs> <an> egg. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but then, so like when you're designing your project yes. and you've done all your hypothesis, you've come up with the ideas of how you're going to do it. But then there's also the analysis part of it as well. There's the, um, the actual testing to see if your thing has worked. Yes. Now there's To see if you've got what you think you've got. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. Analysis is a huge, huge part of research. Yep. And you can't just go through one door and then just say, that's that's how it, like, this is telling me that it's worked. I'm just going to use this. Because <laughs> fuck every other way of <laughs> analysing it. <laughs> just going to blindly move forward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so obviously you have to do multiple tests. And you have to go through different ways of analysing through different analysis machines and stuff like that. Analysis machines. Yeah, so there's obviously, like, you can, like, obviously we're more organic and bio-organic. So, like, we obviously know, like, our main ones, so there's, like, UV fluorescence and stuff like that, and NMR, IR, Mm -hmm. all those fancy ones. Mm -hmm. But obviously, obviously, with people doing different projects and different studies, different sciences, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, is that uh, even like the analysis is that going into your hypothesis side or is that something that you come up with afterwards, like once you've done all the development of the project is the analysis then all oh right, I'm just going to pick three that I know well or do you actually go into research and go right I know this would be preferable for that experiment I'm doing
0: yeah I think when you when you start it you, you should have a good idea of what you need to characterise something. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you could put all this work in, but how do you actually know that you've made the thing you set out to do? Yeah. You need, like you said, multiple ways of showing that and characterising whatever you've made. Yeah. So yes, you should have the idea beforehand, but I think a lot of really interesting research comes from, oh, we made this thing and then we tested it in this different way. And we found out it actually does this. It's really cool, and we didn't know it would do that. And yeah. now we don't know how how it does it, but we know it does. So now we're going to figure out how it works. And like, it's that kind of just trying different things yeah. can really lead to a lot of really interesting research. Um, but yeah, you should have an idea at the beginning of what it takes to actually yeah. do the thing that you're doing.
1: Because like, you don't just sort of pick three and go right. I'm going to do. I'm going to get his mass. I'm going to get his Bond angles. I'm going to do that, and it's going to be real easy. <laughs> do you actually really sort of plan ahead and sort of go right? I need these key factors to make sure that I know what I've got.
0: Yeah. So with organic chemistry, yeah. the main three tend to be like NMR, both carbon and proton. Yeah. Mass spec. Um, probably UV-Vis. Probably IR. Yeah. Those kind of things.
1: So like, there's like the, the other variations say like computational models Mm. or like x-ray or anything like that do any of those even come into your mind or are they something that you research about and then go actually that might be beneficial to me or do you just sort of go for the basic organic ones and go right i'm going to do these first and then maybe go to those more Mm. niche ones afterwards
0: it depends i mean with the organic stuff i would probably say like as long as you've got animal as long as you've got C H N, which is elemental analysis, yeah. but that then gives you the exact percentages of Each carbon, energy. nitrogen, oxygen. No, cancel. <laughs> carbon, carbon, hydrogen, hydrogen nitrogen. and nitrogen. <laughs> <C-H-N>. Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> Good grief! For Please me. Put
0: that out. I'm not. Th- I told you today is not the day. Sleepy day today. I'm very sleepy. Very. Yeah. No brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: I would say the the three things for organic would be...
1: Elemental analysis. Elemental analysis. NMR. NMR. Both of them.
0: And probably IR as well. IR is a tricky one because it only shows you surface. Yeah. So it depends. If you think you've got a mix of things, it's not going to tell you... No, sorry. So if you think you've put two things together, so you've put A and B together and you think you've got C. If you think you've got C, IR won't tell you if it's actually just A and B. Just next to each other. Yeah. yeah. So unless you've got something that's very definitive, but even then it's not going to tell you that it's pure sort yeah. of thing. So NMR can tell you structurally what is next to each other. Yeah. So obviously these are all techniques of structural determination yeah. and most chemists will know these. But that will tell you exactly where the elements that you have in there, what they are bonded to and how it interacts with the thing that it's bonded to. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's mass yeah. which will tell you the mass of the compound so your overall mass yeah. and also the fragments that can be within it. Again that doesn't tell you whether it's actually pure.
1: No but it, it will tell you sort of how close you are to it being pure like the, if there's other fragments in there you know that you've got something else in there.
0: Yeah, it depends what it is. So like for example, I had one where I made a final compound, but I had a huge peak that I couldn't assign any fragments to, yeah. and it turned out that it was just a bit of extra base that was still left <laughs> about. So oh dear. Just had to separate it out into water, it was fine. But there's like those little things yeah. where it can help in that sense. But as well, it can be the case if depends how big you're looking at molecules as well, but you could have a mixture of A, B, and C in there. And obviously it's mass, so it's tiny, tiny amounts. Yeah. But I mean, you'll get a good idea, but it's not anything like definitive. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Um, and like mass spec it goes into what is it, picometer? Like picograms of like
0: Yeah. It's literally so like if you can see it that's that's more than enough.
1: Yeah. Sort of thing. So like if you imagine a gram and then divide that by a thousand and then divide that by a thousand And then divide that by a thousand, and then divide that by a thousand. That's That's the kind of (laughs) level that's still like, those are the levels that you're sort of looking into, like in detecting how much, uh, like what mass you've got of something. It's so incredibly good at determining mass that if you've got anything different in your product, it'll see it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you say that, but it depends on what you've got as well. (laughs) <laughs> literally any anything that we talk about in this podcast is it, it comes depends. With a caveat. Yeah. it <laughs> does everything comes with a caveat and that's rightfully so with science yeah. but yeah like I've had a few compounds where they're fucking huge yeah. and I struggle to see them in mass just because of what it is and how big it is yeah. and the like isotope patterns that I'll get from it and stuff as well which just it's all a lot of fun love it it's great anyway um
1: so, yeah, actual analysis and using what equipment you need
0: mm-hmm.
1: is a huge factor as well in determining yeah. what you're doing for your project.
0: Yeah. And I th- I, th- I don't know if we mentioned this in the last episode, but mm. we touched on this sort of thing briefly. And obviously to publish, yeah. it's a minimum of three characterization techniques.
1: So three different pieces of analysis. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That are all in agreement with each other. And so... Like we said, purity is a big thing as well, because yeah. obviously you need to have a pure and defined structure if it's going to be anything that's used medically. Like if it's a drug, sort of thing, not used medically but used mm-hmm. biologically. Um, and then it, that's also goes without saying for like all of other things as well. If you're making a compound, it needs to be pure most yeah. of the time. Um, but obviously HPLC is a good one for that for organic chemistry.
1: So like yes, yeah, separating everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's also just to see that you've got one pure product as well. Um, So, yeah, that one's quite an important one, quite a helpful one.
1: And obviously, these machines, they don't actually tell you anything. They're mainly just either numbers on a screen. Yeah, or read out some data for you. Or just like a big bump on the screen, and you then have to interpret that data. (laughs) A big bump on the screen. Like HPLC (laughs) is just, oh, look, there's a nice... Hump. Yep. <laughs> it's
0: a nice little peak there. Yeah, it
1: doesn't actually sort of say anything. And like, IR is a bit more different because there is a database that does sort of give you some information like of what you've got. And yeah. it can give you like a rough estimation
0: yeah.
1: of what it thinks it is. But yeah. again, that is just numbers that it's looking and at. And
0: it's if you've got that software as well.
1: Yeah. So actually interpreting the data is another sort of big thing that you need to... Because if you interpret the data wrong, then the, there's no yeah, point like in doing like the project can... because it doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: And cherry picking the data as well.
1: Oh yeah, like... This, Which, uh, this is sort of going into the sort of rabbit hole a little bit, but there are so many papers out there that cherry-pick. Oh, really? Is, you think? Uh, without a doubt. Like, <laughs> if, if you would, like, get, I'd say, a thousand papers, I reckon you could pick at least three out that I've cherry-picked.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Well, people always want, like...
1: It's the, what they'll do is, careers, and it's, it? and I don't know if you count it as cherry picking, but what they'll do is they've found, they found the most reliable bit of information. Say mm. they've got like a linear graph, and there's like it's a messy, noisy nonsense at the start, messy, noisy nonsense at the end. They will pick the middle bit, yeah. which correlates to what they've got. Yeah. And they're like, because it's not, they're not actually sort of getting rid of any data because it is meant to be a linear, a linear graph, and it is to an extent. Mm. But if like, if they want to get. An R value closer to one as they can. <laughs> just they will the happily memory. just they will just crop it and crop it and crop it until they go right 0. 0.98. That'll do. See, that Fuck it. That is very naughty.
0: That's not very. Unless there's like a region of interest yeah. that's only that's very specific, because you can say that for example, like with IR, yeah, you'll have the fingerprint region, which you shouldn't really put a lot of stock into because yeah. it a lot of it is just, just yeah. yeah, it's not really anything that you can pick out as useful data yeah. so to an extent
1: so you like you're looking more at the sort of ligand region where you're sort of looking at the sort of external bits like it like if we are looking at like structures and stuff like that you're sort of looking for the the bits that actually sort of are separated and they're like okay that's definitely like an oh group that's definitely like a, well
0: yeah but i mean like if you you... you're not
1: looking at like the key sort of Central structure bit where you're like that and just going, in. Oh, I could probably interpret this data, this fuzzy nonsense. I'll try and make something. No, just-
0: I mean like it's it's an in- interesting one for platinum, especially the species that I work with yeah. because they yeah. do have peaks that should come up in the fingerprint region. Okay, but you've got to have like if you're actually going to put stock into the data, you need to have the right setup. Yeah, and I don't think we had that. <laughs> <laughs> Tried it a few times didn't come out particularly well but like for example um i found a couple of papers that were all in agreement that like you would have uh like certain stretches in the fingerprint region and sometimes i i would be able to see the peak but i would have to have the caveat in my work of this peak should be here which it is but it's in the fingerprint region Mm -hmm. so you know let's not say it's definitive let's look at This other piece of characterization that can tell me more concretely that there's evidence for those peaks being there,
1: and it's it's why I feel like when you do get a good bit of information, Mm. you should hold on to that for dear life because like if they've got some genuine data and it's as in
0: like a research paper, like a research
1: paper, and it's giving you the full information, and they've actually got like reputable like yeah. It's, it's like standard deviations and our values, and you start reading it and you're going, right, their data actually does correlate with yeah. what they're saying. I love that. Yeah, yeah, same.
0: There's like, there's been a handful of papers that I've really just like. I always go to if I'm struggling <laughs> because like one of them's for just platinum a rainy chemistry. Day, just like, oh, yeah, there's some, there's some good people. In well, the world. one of them's a review paper, and it's from a research group which is like the biggest for platinum chemistry yeah and the research uh, academic who is the supervisor of all of them he's like the god of platinum for chemistry and um most work that comes out by his group i'm just like beautiful couldn't ask for any more but it comes out really nicely and they they always have the like good set of data. Yeah.
1: Anytime a paper comes from them, you it's can say sort of comprehensive. Oh, I'm alright with this. Yeah. Something.
0: And they actually explain what it all means as yeah. well. Whereas sometimes I feel like you find a lot of papers that'll just be like, Oh yeah, it's this and then we know that because of this. Yeah. Like we see this peak. And then you're like, okay, but what does that peak actually mean? Especially with a lot of things that like have a lot of nuance to them. Like mm-hmm. um I struggled a little bit first with um, IR data. For platinum compounds, because obviously, metal ligands, like met- metal to organic ligands, will act differently to just organic. And I feel like when you do your degree, you learn mostly about just the organic side of things for yeah. that. So it's like figuring out where those peaks come from, or where those stretches come from, rather, is very like making sense of it in your head and having a paper that actually explains. Those things is just like, they end up being like gold mines <laughs> and they're really
1: helpful. And like when you're sort of reading stuff online, well, this goes for anyone out there that's like maybe not in science as much as say like URI, hmm. and they're reading something and it actually comes with resources of journals and stuff like that. This is why you can actually accept that information is because it's not like we're just coming up with stuff on a whim it's a whim. yeah we've actually just like we've genuinely got the information and just interpreted it we haven't just come up with an idea and then sort of sent it away and hopefully people just agree with it yeah we don't actually come up with the information that comes back we just interpret it it's mostly machines nowadays that come up with the data yeah then we just make it uh sort of into genuine information because a computer can't say what it actually means it just Tells you numbers. The
0: computer can't say what it means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You
1: can't say, oh, yeah, well, this is you obviously can't say, All because right, of it. The... right,
0: Sam. So here's what you do to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. It like, doesn't go, oh, so it's because of this enzyme that's actually reacting on this active site, then yeah. blah, blah, blah. It just sort of just goes, here's. You a have nice... to figure that bit yeah, out. Yeah, it's not. Well, you know, you don't even have to figure it out. It's like must. Like, most data that you get back is quite visual nowadays. Hmm. That, like, uh, say for, like, enzyme activity and stuff like that, you get these graphs called Michaelis-Menten uh, graphs. Ooh, yeah. Which basically tell you when the site's being active, when it's uh, actually completely full, when you've over-concentrated everything, and then it'll sort of have, like, a plateau. And then the most have, like, this, like, perfect visual graph nowadays hmm. where you just see the graph and you can just interpret it. You don't actually need to know the numbers. You just get given a graph and it goes, okay, this is working. Or, like, you're sort of going, all right, my concentration's a bit too high because it's plateauing. Mm. Well, that's
0: like when I was introduced to GraphPad.
1: Yeah. GraphPad Prism, you beauty. Yeah. GraphPad became like
0: (laughs) my best friend. Excel's (laughs) good, don't
1: get me wrong. It's good for spreadsheets. It's good good for like like, data analysis. It can go in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's GraphPad Prism all the way it's beautiful
0: and it's like
1: and the same with Mestranova as well oh
0: Mestronova any other NMR yeah. software can get in the <laughs> bin it's garbage Jill I'm not, say,
1: yeah, I'm not saying we're having sponsors you. or anything but <laughs> if mestranova or GraphPad Prism want to <laughs> Hit us up.
0: <laughs> Hit us up for that sponsorship deal. Yeah. Would be more than happy to take Even it. Even
1: just like active licenses, because we're still on trial periods. Meshnova
0: <laughs> should be installed on every university computer because it is the one right. that is the most easy to use and it's so simple, so beautiful.
1: This actually goes into data oh. analysis as well. So, like, what are the like the the perfect bits of software that you would prefer on your computer to make sure that you've got everything you need? Like, so like you've just you've run all your. Data and everything like that. You've been given loads of numbers. Mm-hmm. You've been given loads of figures. What are the things that you go to first? Like obviously, graph pad, Nova. GraphPad, pad
0: GraphPad, Meshronova. I will use Excel. Yeah. Because it is. It has its uses. I'm not going to shit on Excel. No. But um, and I feel like there's a certain person that will have strong words with you in particular because he will see you after this <laughs> Just, if he ever hears this. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> and I'm not. Sh- I'm not shitting on Excel. It's all right. But it's for the nerds. <laughs>
0: Is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know if that helped you find it. should showed me a video
1: of someone that made a roller coaster ride on it. It was like because like you can turn it to like you can make it show like graphs and stuff. Like and then, Yeah, yeah, and obviously you can run the graphs as singular numbers, okay. and then uh, if you run them uh, constantly, they be obviously the like, through frame rates and stuff like that. It actually looks like a visual image, mm. and someone did it of a uh, like a genuine sort of first person view. Of someone on a roller coaster track, okay. <laughs> and it actually goes like round the full roller coaster. That's cool. All in Excel. <sighs> I don't want to <laughs> say get a life because it's actually quite cool, but like, it's not that use. That it's not that useful in research.
0: Yes and no. I like Excel. I'm not going to hate on Excel. No. Um. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. In terms of other pieces of software, GraphPad and over are the main ones that yeah. I would use day to day.
1: And then for like normally for writing, um, either Notepad or Word.
0: Notepad. Yeah,
1: just because it's so basic. Like if I just want to get information out, just there. Yeah. I will just put it in Notepad because it, it's oh, it's quick no. and it's it's there's no real variables with it. It's just like you get your text down. If you want to tab, you just tab. That's it. Like you don't need to. Change the fonts or anything like that. You don't need to make it look fancy. If you just want to get all your data down, it's one of the most lightest piece of software. So like, you don't actually need to have like a strong computer to do yeah. it. Whereas Word nowadays has become this huge like fucking over the top GUI system that just like mm-hmm. does all this fancy shit. Don't need it. Notepad.
0: I I like OneNote, Nuts. because it organizes it into uh, like yeah like
1: if you like e and stuff like that like electronic lab notebooks and stuff like that.
0: Well, it's not a lab notebook. It's no. just one note is the Microsoft Word yeah. version. But like um I use that for anything now. Like particularly at work because I'll have like multiple projects running at the same time. So I'll just like section them all off. And I find it very visually satisfying. I, th-
1: I think I've just come to the conclusion <laughs> I don't like Office. Yeah, I don't I d- I don't like it. It's too over the top. It's too mainstream man. No no it's not it's not <laughs> yeah, mainstream. It's, it's just, just exactly just what over the is. top. It just <laughs> I like software that's like very basic and minimal that does the job.
0: I, I had a friend that did his PhD thesis. Yeah. It was I think it was his like a second year like thesis so far sort of thing. Um but he did that all in coded software and it took him fucking forever. Yeah. And I was just like what was the point? Like you, you could have just written this in word and it would look exactly the same. And it's a lot easier to use, but you would spend that extra like no, because hour sometimes a day, Word
1: does things that you just don't want it to do, and you're like, how get ah, that. You f-, But like, if you've got code, it only does what you tell it to do.
0: I understand that, but I just think,
1: but there is a, bit of a, a lot of curve, effort, yeah.
0: Because he didn't know how to use it beforehand. Yeah. He specifically like wanted to be able to do it, which is fine. Yeah. Like totally get that. But I was just like, for something that's your PhD thesis, where you just need to write it. Yeah. Don't make it any harder Not for yourself. Part- it's already difficult. <laughs>
1: Like, formatting comes afterwards. Like just like if you're getting the information Notepad. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway. Yeah. So software, like, also quite. It's which I didn't actually write down, but it's actually quite a, an important part of data interpretation. Yeah. Like using a different bit of software, it might actually give you different information. So yeah. Making sure. I that think
0: you've the got your favorites. With this like saying about Excel and different types of software and stuff. Yeah. With Excel, it's a lot more like usable. I would say for a lot of things. Like I feel like I always have to get my data in Excel first, format it the way I want it and then put it into GraphPad. Yeah. Because obviously GraphPad put asks you to put things in, in a certain way. Like you can't just like plug the numbers in and it figures it out for you. Yeah. You have to like do Let things very yeah. systematically. Which works really well. But I always end up having to like rearrange it in Excel first and then I'll put it into...
1: So it's really good for formatting. That's about it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's it's really good for helping you to figure out how to put it into a different piece of software. (laughs) Um,
1: Fair enough. But yeah. And then uh, lastly, uh, is actually accepting or rejecting your findings compared to your hypothesis or maybe you've come up with some new information that may actually sort of give you an idea of why it didn't work to your hypothesis. Yeah. And then is oh this might go on a little bit more what we said earlier but accepting and rejecting information is a key part of research like you not everything's going to work first time and sometimes you may just have to reject like if your data doesn't work with what you think's going to happen is that your fault is it the equipment's fault is it the way you've done the procedure is it the is it just never going to work in the first place <laughs> then you have to sort of decide, am I going to run this project again with different variables? Mm. Am I going to have to run this project again exactly the way it was, but I think it's just a machine that fucked up? Mm. Or am I going to have to just do the whole project from scratch because I don't know where to go from here?
0: Yeah. It's a hard thing to figure out, but I think a lot of the time it takes a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Because like I think... So with with anything new, there's a learning curve to it, isn't there? Yeah. So like, especially with synthesis, I feel like... Obviously, you always develop. Like, if you're doing something for an extended amount of time, you're going to develop a skill either way, sort of thing. So, like, I now, after doing three... Well, no, four years of, like, lab synthesis, yeah. I'm a lot better at it than when I started, and, and I can see where I went wrong before.
1: Yeah. So, sometimes it is just technique as well. So, like, yeah. just learning experience, being good at, at what you do.
0: Yeah, and it's also, like, you especially if you're working with like certain compounds, you learn to work how they work, sort of thing. Like, what like conditions work best yeah. and stuff like that. And it's something that like it can be in papers a lot of time, and sometimes it's not. But for example, like I was saying with that um research group earlier, and they, when they publish research, they do it really well. They'll say we used um this certain solvent. Because it does this and it help it increase the yield better, or like we did this in dry conditions, or we did this in a glove box, or we did this like oxygen free. But those little things
1: make a real big difference because it really stops you help. having to do them. Then Because yeah. if you're thinking, oh maybe it work because of this, yeah, and they go, well it worked because we've tried it already.
0: Yeah,
1: that's like that saved you a month of work. That's... Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, do you want
1: to shout this group out?
0: It's Stephen Lippard's group. There's a. <laughs> The, the, there was a review paper, Yeah, and so me and my friend Adam, when we were in our fourth year doing our master's, we were both doing it around platinum chemistry. Yeah. And our supervisor gave us this review and was like, take this, look at their research, it'll really help you. And it was by the Lipid Group and a guy called... Is it Justin Wilson? Uh, His surname's Wilson, but his... Um, it was like synthesis of platinum four complexes and it was a review on so much chemistry that's gone into it but um that was literally like a bible for me and adam we were literally (laughs) like like oh i want to conjugate like this ligand to some platinum complexes has anyone done that before literally just go to that review and it will tell you (laughs) like it will tell you any variation of how someone's done it and it was that was a really really good source for me for a lot of things um, but anyway.
1: So, yeah. Um, basically, sometimes research doesn't go the way you want it to, and you can do an entire project and it might as well just go in the bin. And you've lost a year. Get in
0: the bin.
1: You've lost a year, and you're sort of like, ah, shit. But that is what research is, and that's why it's it not something to aim for. No, it's not <laughs> something to aim for, but sometimes it's just a thing that happens, yeah. and you sort of like, ah, f- yeah,
0: <laughs> and it's like you should always try and stay realistic. Like optimistic is good, but don't be optimistic to the point where you're just getting crushed constantly. Yeah, because <laughs> that's very sad. Um, I feel like I was had a really good point to say earlier, okay. and I'm really upset that I can't remember what it was now.
1: A major brain fart. Yeah. Mm. So if there's but... anyone out there that thinks that research is really easy and scientists are just sort of just plucking shit out the air and saying, oh, well, they'll just say anything these days. Mm. Not true. <laughs> it's real hard. <laughs> and it's not an easy process, and it's multiple people's careers trying to find out this information. Some people actually know what they're talking about.
0: You know what really annoys me? This is a tangent, yeah. but we're just going to go there because go you it. started it, so it's okay. your fault. Um, when people are like, oh, there's, a, there's actually a cure for cancer and the government are holding it back because... Yes. Um, They don't want us to have it because they make too much money off people like dying from cancer. Really fucking annoys me. I literally... Right.
1: (laughs) Does weed cure cancer, though?
0: Put in CBD oil up your bum. If you want to do it, go ahead. I don't think it's going to cure you, cancer. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) um, I once had a drive home with a taxi driver after a night out at our favorite whole establishment welly um,
1: <laughs> um oh was it after spiders <laughs> it
0: might have been after spiders but either way i was on a, a long taxi drive home um and i would, the taxi driver like asked me like oh what do you do then i was like oh i'm a phd student I'm, like oh what are you doing He's, like I'm doing cancer research and it's nothing. because <laughs> when you say it people go like "Ooh!" and you're like Ooh. it's really not like don't yeah. give me credit because I have done anything like no. I'm not some amazing research scientist I'm just literally like I'm just trying things and they don't work <laughs> like, don't get your hopes up anyway so he was like that
1: was so pessimistic for the, for it's not pessimistic are you it's, a realist it's <laughs>
0: something that like this is why like I used to struggle because it's, it's imposter syndrome right Yeah. maybe we'll do an episode on, postur- imposter, on syndrome. imposter syndrome mm. someday because I think it is a very important topic yeah. but that's like... Always in the back. Part of that, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I was having this drive home with this taxi driver and he was like, oh, so yeah, so there's definitely like a cancer cure out there, isn't there? But it's a government thing in it. They just don't want to give us it because, you know, it just costs like too much for people dying and stuff like that. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. he was going like, the ma- the government make too much money off people needing cancer treatment. And I was like, you're in the UK. <laughs>
1: it's
0: the NHS. It's you don't free. pay yeah, for it. You don't pay you for You don't it. pay for your <laughs> treatment, unless
1: you go private. But like most of the time, like it's you free anyway. You so. ain't paying
0: shit towards it. Yeah, yeah. What is the government gaining? It was like this is my whole like bugbear with this situation is it's not that the government makes too much money getting cancer treatments and yeah. things like that. It's we can't afford to get new ones. Like the amount of process, yeah. and not from a government point of view, from the actual researchers' point of view. Yeah. The process to get the money, like in grant money, from research bodies yeah. is extremely difficult and extremely competitive. Yeah. And even if you do get that money, who's to say any of it works anyway? Well, yeah,
1: that's a hope, and that's why it takes so long, because you need to make sure that it definitely does work. Yeah, there is so many like pieces of red tape that you have to go through to yeah, exactly. get to. Even basic, like clinical trials. Yeah. You have to, like, you have, uh, as we said in one of the, the last episodes, is like you have to go through cell models and mouse models and smaller animal models and bigger animal models and then make sure that it goes through, like,
0: into humans. Into humans well.
1: And then you can do clinical trials. But that takes, like, 30, 40 years. That's not just, and so two much weeks. money. Yeah, yeah. So
0: much money. Like, one clinical trial can be millions. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Yeah. And it just, it really, it bugs me that people, like, conspire that much yeah. against like right, researchers. Yeah, and just stuff? to give
1: you like an inside view of how much it costs, like, both of us run these big silica columns, and we must run maybe between 10 and 15 a week. And each one, I'd say, roughly costs about 150 to 100 quid. Mm. Each and that's run.
0: already having the glassware. And that's
1: already having stuff there. Yeah. And that is basically just getting the thing. To separate, so it's like one tiny dot, like of one person in one group, Mm. costs at least twelve to fifteen hundred quid. I
0: uh, I was having a conversation with um someone at work the other day, so he's recently finished a PhD and he did it his at the medical school, and he um he was doing more like bio related stuff, and he was like. I was a pretty cheap, like, pretty cheap PhD student as far as it goes. He was, like, you know, like, not accounting for, like, my stipend that I got. But my project was, like, really cheap as far as things go. And I was, like, oh, out of interest, how much would you say it was? And he was, like, oh, over the four years, probably, like, 25 grand. And I was, like, I can beat that very easily. And he was, like, really? And I was, like, yeah. I got three grand a year in bench fees. So over the three years as well, not – actually, no. I think I only got two and a half and full – scholarship students got three grand but i was like that's over the three years and we stuck within that budget but yeah so i had this conversation with him and i was like yeah mine mine was a a lot lot cheaper than that and he was like how and i was like it is more chemistry like he was obviously doing a lot more bio stuff and he actually had like he was working with organs as well so obviously buying those in is a lot more expensive um but, yeah, like, the amount of money that actually goes into just university-level research yeah. is no, insane. Never mind, like, yeah, industry. Never mind, like, farming. Like, yeah. it's mad. And I think people, they really don't factor that in. Like, yeah. they think someone just made something in a lab and now it's used as a drug. Like, that's not really how it works. <laughs> I mean, it used to be a thing. Like, I mean, a lot of our, especially cancer treatments, a lot of them are very old, like, a lot of them probably like sixties to eighties, yeah. because it just takes that long in getting things approved as well now.
1: So yeah, be thankful that you've got the NHS because as yeah. if they went on cost in terms of research purposes, you'd be paying a fucking fortune.
0: Yeah. Like this is why people so want why, free healthcare yeah, yeah. in the US. <laughs>
1: uh, but anyway, but, other than that, but so I think that's it. Just make sure that you when you are reading some research, just realised that a lot of work goes into it. Mm-hmm. I know this was sort of a part B of the first one, but th- I just wanted to, ex- well, both of us just wanted to explain a bit more the actual methodology towards research and why it is so uh, gratuitous Fast, and, yeah, yeah, just, like, so long and <laughs> why saying stuff takes people's careers. It's not because, like, they don't want to work faster. It's just it's, it's a really long, timely process. Yeah. That takes a lot of work and a lot of really clever people to do it.
0: Yeah,
1: it's not easy. So stop telling people in the pub that like certain things just work because you saw it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Read about it. <laughs> we is... put a lot of effort in.
0: Our whole podcast is pretty much just like social media. Don't know shit about science.
1: <laughs> it's not that. It's just. It's more just people's true, ignorance towards trying to understand something. It's not even just the social media side of it. It's just, like, people hear things just out of the blue. Yeah. Like, uh, like this whole... Like, we just did the last episode on the coronavirus. Mm -mm. People are not going to Chinese takeaways. That makes no sense.
0: Yeah. I saw a tweet this morning that was, like... Someone said that they had, like, an Uber or something. I'm pretty sure this was in the US. Because I think there's a lot more panic in the US about it. But, um... Apparently this person got an Uber and the driver was Chinese and he was like, thank you for accepting my lift because people haven't been taking it. Like, they've been seeing that I'm Chinese and getting out of the car, basically. And I was like, shut, sure, like, mm-hmm. how, no. Yeah. Like, it's, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I also want to say, I feel like, last week we went trying to make light of coronavirus. No, like, we still... weren't trying to say,
1: it makes people very, very ill. Yeah. We're just saying, just don't read the hype too much. Yeah about the whole sort of it killing you on contact.
0: Yeah. It's not going to be... Bad. It's not like... Did you see? I can't remember where it came from, but this was something that we could have talked about last week, yeah. but I think it came out afterwards. Yeah. Um, people were saying that Corona gives you zombie-like characteristics. So does the flu, right? Yeah, so does you know, just like,
1: waking up in the morning. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so does just being tired. like. And I was like... I, I saw it. And I just thought, no one surely no one's buying this. But yeah, they are. So yeah. everybody I saw like loads of memes on Twitter and Instagram just being like, We're all gonna be zombies like in fucking World War Z and shit. Yeah, the it's like hmm. it's really not that bad. You know what's also become one of the most popular streamed films on Netflix recently? Mm. Contagion. <sighs> what is wrong with people
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway right i think we're gonna go off research for a bit because i think we're sort of beating you yeah, in the head have, with it, hammered it a yeah, bit yeah. Too much but we, we wanted to get the first few podcasts out of the way just to sort of show the basic premise of research and how it works and stuff yeah. like that and then from now on we can actually talk about stuff and you'll just sort of understand that we have a pretty decent idea of where we're getting all this information from it's from well-developed information that we've Got from other sources that I've actually researched their information quite well. Yeah. So, have you got any thoughts on what you want to do next week? Or?
0: Um, not particularly next week. I think we should do a, an episode on imposter syndrome at some point because okay. I think it is something that is very prevalent in research, yeah. especially like PhD and masters.
1: So, do you want to do just like an episode on the just the whole mental health of? We could science? do science. Maybe uh, not right now. No, no.
0: But soon. Um.
1: So. Next week is a bit of a mystery then. So yeah, we're just gonna
0: fuck it. Yeah, Let's see what happens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if anyone's got any ideas, just hit us up on Twitter yeah, or us Instagram. Line. Just I think that would be quite. Us. It would
0: be quite nice as well to get um, topics that people are interested in because I feel like mm. when I was always like looking for science podcasts, yeah, this was kind of why I wanted to start one was because I could never really find something that fit exactly what I wanted to listen to. Yeah, like a lot of them were either two too laymans. Yeah. Or too niche. Really niche, yeah. yeah. Like, really one specific topic. And it tended to be like a flashy topic as well, like yeah. something hot. But <laughs> anyway.
1: So, yeah, uh, that's it for this week. And we'll see you all next week.